Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian. And this week, we're going to be talking about the 2014 found footage film, The Taking of Deborah Logan, directed by Adam Robitel and starring Jill Larson, Anne Ramsey, and Michelle Ang. In this film, a student film crew documents the life of a woman who has Alzheimer's and find themselves in the midst of something a little bit more sinister. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. We'll take a quick break while you'll hear some music, and then we'll come back to talk about the plot, hit some spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, I know we mentioned this film in our top five found footage episodes from last year, or five found footage movies from last year. Um, Had it been a while since you've seen this one? It had been a little while since I saw it. Actually, you know what, man? I should just... uh, I rarely kind of like poke around on my computer in the middle of a show, but I have the exact date that you and I last discussed this. We discussed this before the podcast Uh, was a thing. Do you remember that? Um, no, I don't remember that, but it makes sense because I feel like I wouldn't have seen this unless uh, I was, I had to talk to you about it. So that was probably <laughs> the first I time I saw it. you to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I actually think this was, it was maybe, a, I can even tell you who picked it. Oh, okay. Pardon the clicking sounds, everybody, and pardon my, my Googling. But yeah, we, I mentioned this on the top five found footage episode. Did you as well? I feel like I would have. Uh, this one, I think, does come to the top for me when thinking about the genre. Um, But yeah, I I haven't gone back and listened to that episode, though. We discussed this movie on the phone in December of 2014, four years before we started the podcast. Wow, so this is like one of the early ones, huh? This was early, yeah. Yeah, it was was... the sixth movie we discussed after we decided to start a two-person horror movie club. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I can't believe you uh, were documenting all this stuff back then. Yeah, I I did a good job. Yeah, good thing nice I like work. spreadsheets. So had you seen? I can it even since tell we... you what we both rated it, but I don't want to spoil our reviews. Ooh, all right. Maybe at the end, I'd be excited to hear. Yeah, at the end, we'll compare to how we felt about it nine years ago. Now, man, damn. And had you seen it since, or that was the last time? That was the last time. Yeah, same for me. And I, I feel like I forgot uh, a lot about it. Um, I think I briefly remembered some of it when doing the homework for that found footage episode that we did last year but otherwise I don't remember a lot of it did, did, was this still like pretty strong in your memory yeah I remembered this very well anything wow. I've seen basically since 2014 really I, I feel like I remember it fairly well with some exceptions along the way That's movies incredible. I don't like that well though I do tend to forget a little bit easier okay wow that's amazing memory man I can barely remember like what we watched last year uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I gotta admit, some of it, some of it blends in. Like I'm looking through some of the stuff from around that time, and there's like the Howling. Mm. I couldn't tell you the plot to the Howling at all. Yeah, I think that's one that I thought we hadn't seen, and then you told me we watched it and talked about. <laughs> yeah, it. we probably. I think a lot of people want us to cover that one. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it, it, it's fun to rewatch this so many years later, and uh, yeah, for for me, I mean, yeah, there definitely things that do stick with you from this one, but I, I feel like I was blank on a lot of the plot, so fun fun to revisit it. Yeah. Uh, genre-wise, outside of found footage, what else would you tag on this? You know, there's a little bit of pseudo-documentary in here. 
Oh, that whole, you still believe in that genre? I still believe <laughs> that still, this genre exists. <laughs> You're trying to make that a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what is your definition again of, of a pseudo-documentary? It's basically just filmed like a documentary, but it's a f- fictional documentary. Okay. And that is the, the whole basis for the plot here is that this documentary crew is going to go film an Alzheimer's patient. So they set it up like that, and we even see some footage inserted of like how the brain works because they're explaining Alzheimer's to their uh, their hypothetical viewers. Mm-hmm. So, but I think when the documentarians become characters in the story, then it becomes in a in a faux documentary. Then it becomes more like a found footage movie. So, uh, Blair Witch, would you say that's a pseudo-documentary then? No, because they are the characters. I think if it's basically once they become characters in the story, I think it toggles over into found footage. Mm. And another nail on the coffin is if the story becomes not at all what they intended to. Yep. Like, they go here, in this movie, for example, they go here to film a documentary about Alzheimer's, but it becomes something much more than that, and they become characters. Sure. They weren't really supposed to be anything other than our guides on this journey through Alzheimer's. Yeah. And what's being shown is not like a formatted like a documentary anymore. It's just... There. It's just what happens. It's their experience, yeah. You're like Mm. a fly on the wall. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I don't know. I, I could say the same thing. I, I'm like Blair Witch. You've got people who are trying to shoot a documentary as well in the woods, and they're not trying to be the characters, but ultimately when things start going wrong, they become the characters. So isn't that very similar? Or are you saying not because there's another audience? Uh, well, yeah, I actually, no, I'm still not sure what the difference is. Yeah, I'm saying they're similar. Both of those, both the taking of Deborah Logan and the Blair Witch Project start out as a faux documentary. Yeah, but things take a turn. The documentary doesn't go as planned, and the people who are supposed to be really just behind the camera or guiding us through the documentary become the characters. The whole thing turns into something else, and it is. Uh, oh, so you're saying Blair Witch is a pseudo documentary? No, <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying it starts out as a pseudo documentary, but becomes a found footage movie. Oh, okay, like this one. Just like this one, because it starts out by, you know, they might step on camera and be like, so here we are, this is where it all happened, and we're uh, about to show you, yeah. and then by the end of the film, they're like, oh my god, what was that? <laughs> like, Oh, sure, yeah. You know okay. what I mean? I so, get it, okay. So, so front half is pseudo-documentary, and then later, but yeah, transitions. Yeah, it's almost like the, the premise is a documentary, but that's yeah. what is the impetus for a found footage movie. Sure, sure. I mean, I feel like so many found footage... Uh, Start like that. I, I guess uh, you, then you'd put like paranormal activity in a whole di- like that one, not not pseudo documentary at all because that's they are the characters the whole time, right? Correct. Yeah, the whole okay. point is filming it, right? Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Nice one. Uh, glad you got to slide that one in again. <laughs> I really <laughs> think so much of the genre is just like a Venn diagram of those two things. Yeah. But like uh, Poughkeepsie tapes, I do think I would still call that the pseudo documentary with Maybe elements like of found footage. Lake, Lake Mungo, Mungo well. I'd call a pseudo documentary. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Savage cool. Land pseudo documentary. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I can see this one blending uh, both of those together. Um, and then I don't know if this gets into spoiler territory, but um, 
there's like a, a supernatural element. So uh, maybe we'll save that for the plot then, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. I think people can assume. There's, there's a possession angle here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, in general, though, I, I think movies, uh, have we seen, I mean, horror seems so ripe for comparisons between what an individual is suffering through from a health uh, standpoint and tying it to like a horrific supernatural uh, or horror element. Uh, I feel like we've seen that in like movies like, uh, oh, shoot. The Relic, right? Relic or something? Yeah, Relic. Um, Relic is the most recent example and the okay. freshest in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you think of any other ones that tie horror with like someone's ailing health potentially? You know, not off the top of my head. I think of the, um, is it the sister or aunt in the original Pet Cemetery? Mm, She's okay. got a medical condition, but it's used as a scare. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, it gives yeah, right, right for the, the for the mother, right? Yeah, gosh, yep. we need to watch that movie. I, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, you're right. That that was a very scary angle uh, that was kind of thrown in and hit on yeah medical issues. I feel like there are probably much more. I'm just they they aren't coming to my. I've got a whole list of found footage movies here in front of me, but right, I do not have a list of medical uh, related <laughs> medical <laughs> turned. Yeah, you know. But what what's odd though is um. The, the main actress here who plays Deborah Logan, Jill Larson, was in Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit like he goes into a, a mental hospital. Right. Um, and I think that's probably th- the angle more so. It's not necessarily like an old person in declining health, but mental patients are often used in, sure. in horror films. I mean, Mike Myers comes out of a, an asylum. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it seems like there's a, there's a natural uh, overlap there, like a great way to layer horror on top of uh, that aspect of life. Right, or somebody broke out of the asylum, you know, stuff like that. Silent Night, sure. Bloody Night. Sure, yeah. I, th- I think it's a fear probably everyone has, and uh, yeah, interesting way to show it. Yeah, Silent Night, Bloody Night, right? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yep. Oh, there you go. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, g- yeah, good good connections there. And then, uh, yeah, to your list on horror films, found footage horror films, uh, I, I was kind of taking a look over that list as well. Um, I feel like supernatural, m- most of the big ones are supernatural. Um, where else have you seen found footage work? Like, are there other genres within horror, like subgenres where you think found footage works or doesn't work very well? Creep is a, you know, popular one that bucks the supernatural thing. Yeah. I think it works a lot there. I have a feeling there's one called Be My Cat that's very similar. Okay. Uh, we haven't seen that yet, and I don't know that much about it. Right. But, yeah, I think Supernatural, Exorcism, there's even a zombie one or two, you know, like Wreck, mm. uh, Diary yeah. of the Dead. So, oh, and you know a monster movie with Cloverfield. Oh, right. Yep. So yep. I think it's really, it works it's common with like a haunted house type supernatural film, but yeah, there's a lot you can do with it actually. Yeah, there is. A, yeah, those examples are, are great. Because uh, yeah, I think some of my favorite ones are the supernatural ones, like the Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch, this one. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It does work in like other contexts within horror as well. I uh, want to back but, up for a second and commend you on that role reversal where I got the title of a movie wrong and you <laughs> corrected me. <laughs> Which one? The Silent Night? <laughs> Silent Night, Bloody Night. Oh, did you say Bloody Night? or did I think I said Bloody Night. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought maybe I, I said that. No, I think uh, I said it wrong. Okay, cool, cool. 
one point uh what is like one to like two thousand hours <laughs> catching up <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh but yeah yeah found footage is fun though i think we've talked about uh yeah the what's going on in this genre like uh i i want to say so you had this movie in the following year you had the visit after 2015 uh like what's another good found footage film bef- not including like what we've seen in this past decade where it's more around these platforms uh, that are streaming like uh, are, are there any others like full length full feature films I think that's kind of the end right like the visit happens in 2015 I think there was a Blair Witch remake in 2016 which I know very little about but then after that you get like searching and mm-hmm. host which are screen life genre I think that's called which I've since learned since our last episode on one of those films Deadstream you'd put in there Deadstream yeah yeah um Oh, God, Deadstream was so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems everything after that is kind of taking the screen life angle. Yeah. Um, there's VHS sequels, though. Yeah, yeah, you still have the, the short film uh, VHS, but uh, yeah, I, I wonder, like, how many more of these films we're going to see that are shot on a, a hand cam because, yeah, no, I feel like that technology now is a little bit outdated. It's petering out. I mean, the and even the VHS films have to, like, go back and date themselves with like years attached to the end of the film just it has to take place in the past now right right i bet that'll be the future of the vhs franchise at least one of those films will become like a screen life thing yeah Um, i'm excited for when they hit that but it's certainly petering out basically it all started in like 2007 2008 with paranormal activity and blew up from there i mean it you know blair witch happened in 99 there were ones before that but really paranormal activity is the one that kicked everything off and then it just went crazy there were tons of them in the late aughts and in the teens and then yeah by 2015 it had kind of petered out so taking of deborah logan is kind of on the tail end of the the trend yeah yeah especially like the the good ones i guess i feel like there's probably been like a lot of bad ones in the last few years yeah probably but even like creep was 2015 so it to me it wasn't like it was a slow decline it was basically like the fire burned bright and then it was done then it was out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, As Above, So Below was uh, maybe around 2015, 2016? 2014. Oh, 2014. Oh, okay. Um, one that I want to ask you about that came out this year, though, uh, Skinmarink. Would you consider that found footage? No, I would not. Oh, yeah. I right, would just so, consider well, it really bad footage. <laughs> you know, I thought, isn't the setup of that movie, though, like a, a home video or like a, a camera? But I guess there's no one, like, holding the camera. No, yeah, it's just... Oh. In a conventional film, if you want to call it that. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, yeah. Um, there is one, I think, that's hitting theaters uh, around this week. I forget what it's called. It's some indie film. Uh, I was surprised to see like another found footage coming out. And it looked more like traditional versus like some kind of, uh, what do you call it, screen life? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I forget, have you heard of it? I, I saw an article on it the other day. but uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the title. I mean, uh, I, I don't... When I hear titles of new horror movies coming out in the year, I don't really dig too much into the what it's about because I like to just go in fresh. So yeah, I don't yeah, know what the, movie you're talking about. I may have heard the title, but I can't yeah. match it up to your description. <laughs> That's a pretty big description. <laughs> yeah, I I still think there's some gems uh, in this genre that uh, I want to go back and see. Hey, the Sacrament that was also um, found footage, wasn't it? Yeah, 2014 Ty West. 
Right. I'm just going to read a bunch of them because we keep popping popping up. So I, I got a whole list. <laughs> All let's, right, let's hear them. Let's stop pussyfooting around it and I'll sure. read it. Uh, let's hear it. So this is a list that came from my paranormal activity notes. So now I'm embarrassed to say I don't have paranormal activity on here. <laughs> that was 2007 or 2008? Okay. Uh, yeah, around that time. I yep. think it was 2007. Poughkeepsie Tapes, 2007. Cloverfield, 2008. Diary of the Dead, 2008. District 9 from 2009. Lake Mungo from 2010. The Last Exorcism, 2010. Grave Encounters, 2011. VHS from 2012. The Bay from 2012. Willow Willow Creek from 2013. VHS 2 from 2013. The Sacrament, 2014. As Above, So Below, 2014. Obviously, this movie from 2014, The Taking of Deborah Logan. Creep from 2015. Unfriended, 2015. That's the where the screen life starts creeping in, the visit from 2015, and then, you know, we kind of peter out from there. Peter out from there. Yeah, okay. Hey, you mentioned Grave Encounters. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one, though. Yeah, me neither. I really want to check that out. Um, And, yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for walking through that list. I'm glad you had that all written down. Uh, The one that came out, I I think that's coming to theaters very soon or is already playing, is called The Outwaters. Have you heard of that one? Oh, right. Yeah, I've heard people talking about this. Yeah, I think that's a found footage film. So, uh, yeah, a l- little bit of trickling happening here. We're okay. Got some movies coming out. Cool. Um, great. Well, yeah, good. Good. Uh, good. Th- thanks for the feedback on found footage stuff. Um, so the the director here, Adam Robitel, Robitel, um, he this was his first feature film. Uh, he'd go on to do more found footage with Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, than he did Insidious, The Last Key, and uh, the Escape Room films. Have you seen any of his other work? I have not, no. I I, th- I might try to tackle some of these Insidious movies, though, in preparation for Insidious 5. Also, right. he co-wrote Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. I oh, can't right, remember yeah. if you mentioned that. He didn't direct that one. Right, right, yep. And then uh, the other person I think that's very famous here is Jill Larson, who plays Deborah. Uh, she, I guess, was famous from that TV show All My Children, which I've never seen. Have you seen that one? I'm sure I've seen some of it in like my mom's or aunt's house or something. Daytime like that. TV when you're a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she was on that show for 824 episodes over 22 years. Oh my god! She received two daytime Emmys for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was in Shutter Island, like I mentioned. She was that woman in the trailer who like does the finger to her lips hush oh, effect right like, right that's yeah, her with like most of her hair missing yep, yeah that's her okay. she was in the manor from last year no from 2021 um did you see that one i did it's oh. stupid but it's kind of cheesy fun <laughs> yeah 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 she's found a, a real calling i think on on the horror side yeah with uh, this stuff so that's awesome and then uh ann ramsey also tv uh background uh she was in mad about you i think that was like kind of her big role yeah watch that show i did watch that back in the day but i can't say i remember much about it i was pretty young but yeah she was in 134 episodes of that she was in yep. a league of their own which i loved hmm. as a kid cool. i don't think i ever saw that one she's prolific she was if her imd page is long oh wow okay cool yeah. Um, yeah, it's surprising they got some big star power uh, with those two. And then Michelle Ang, I think more relatively unknown uh, since she's uh, a New Zealand actress. Um, I didn't really recognize her from anything. How about you? Yeah, I didn't recognize the most of her work. Okay. I think one of the bigger names here that like lends this movie a lot of credibility is uh, the producer, um, Brian... Uh, what's his name? Singer. Brian Singer, right. A uh, guy who did like X Men and stuff. Uh, I could. I was, I was hoping to find more on like how he got involved or pulled into this. Um, any, you, you find anything? 
Yeah, I mean, he's just a, he was just like a big time producer, but um, it's strange that he's on this episode right after our Rosemary's Baby discussion because speaking of separating art from the artist, he uh, has been accused multiple times over multiple years of sexually assaulting minors. Oh, what? Really? So, yeah, so he is essentially canceled from my understanding. He never got convicted from what I remember, but yeah, you know how it goes when there's just so many allegations coming from every direction that it right. kind of becomes clear what kind of person this is. Sure, sure. Damn, I had no idea uh, about him. I, I still hold him in high regard for like X-Men 1 and, and 2. Uh, I, yeah, well, that explains like where he's been, I guess, the last few years. Yeah, I think about 2019 is when he started getting pulled off projects. and Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Uh, Review-wise, uh, yeah, 91% Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 49% audience score. Were you surprised by that? I was a bit surprised by that gap. I was trying to wrap my head around it as I was preparing for this episode. Maybe we could talk more about that in the review. Sure. Yeah, I know good. Bloody Disgusting wrote a review for it. Um back around the time of its release that just said avoid this movie essentially no way. i was kind of blown away yeah wow okay yeah i was surprised to see that score i mean i would expect the audience to be higher i think some people the the detractors just think it's really generic okay okay yeah maybe uh they're getting found footage fatigue by that point yeah possibly yep um any other yeah i don't think this had a theatrical release uh went straight to streaming from what i could tell so no box office numbers um, any other background you want to call out? Uh, not really. I, I think that's about all I wanted to mention. Uh, one of the the guy who co-wrote it with Adam Robitel, Gavin Hefferman, um, he also did the time-lapse photography that was used as establishing shots a lot of times in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is another hallmark of a documentary. So it, it does kind of, you know... Still has some pseudo documentary touches, even as you go deeper into the movie. Anyway, are you talking about like the montage that we see in earlier on? No, time lapses. You know, when you have a photo of the house and the clouds are whizzing oh, by the house. You know, sure. the camera's been on for hours. But so he, he actually shot that. He did, yeah, and that's oh. actually. It seems like that's what he's become most known for, and that's the direction his career has gone in. Like he's credited on shots? many documentaries with time lapse photography. Isn't that just like setting up a camera and walking away and coming back the next day and then fast forwarding? I gotta believe there's more to it than that, but <laughs> essentially, <Okay. laughs> I know that was like something he could be known for. That's, <laughs> this guy's that's really good at walking away from a camera that he just <laughs> yeah. set down. He knows how to put it down and walk away. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got no how connection for us? Yeah, as always, our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. Uh, if you're in Northeast Ohio, you got to get to Jukebox for some delicious food and drinks. And Alex says, The Taking of Deborah Logan is a found footage supernatural horror film about a documentary crew filming Alzheimer's patients who uncover something sinister while documenting a diseased woman. The film stars Jill Larson, Anne Ramsey, Michelle Ang, and longtime TV and film actor Ryan Cutrona in the role of Harris. Cutrona has appeared in over 50 TV shows with notable recurring roles on Mad Men, 24, and The West Wing. Often depicted as a military figure, his film roles include In the Line of Fire, The Last Boy Scout, In the Army Now, and the Top Gun parody film Hot Shots starring Charlie Sheen. 
One of Charlie Sheen's most iconic roles was that of Rick Wild Thing Vaughn in the Major League film series about the formerly named Cleveland Indians who play baseball in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, nice, nice. Great connection. Good job, Bring Alex. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, nice job. Uh, you know, yeah, he- hearing that like he was involved in so many films as well, uh, I feel like one thing we've talked about with found footage films is usually the cast is like pretty under-the-radar people. Uh, it almost sounds like this one... Uh, between Jill and and this guy have like a lot of films or like popular TV shows under their belt, which I think is kind of unusual for a found footage film, right? Yeah, they actually did get some people with acting chops and a lot of experience in this film. Um, but I also yeah. feel like to most horror viewers, they probably flew under the radar. Like, yeah, um, I don't know. These are people who are definitely prolific in the industry but they're not the most recognizable faces sure yeah yeah so they've been in love but they're not like huge stars or anything right it's actually kind of yeah. a, a perfect uh casting because you don't really want someone super recognizable in a found footage movie exactly. you're meant to believe these are random people. people yeah, yeah. right right yeah yeah I, th- I think they they got that down here all right well great uh anything else that's all let's uh, let's uh review this thing and cool do the plot. all right yeah Let's get into the the plot and uh, we'll hit some spoilers. Before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I just got to go make uh, dinner really quick. Sure. All right. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, Brian. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, how'd uh, everything go with dinner? Oh, it went really well. Uh, you know, sorry, it took me a little longer because there was a pot I couldn't reach on uh, this very high shelf. But I remembered my neighbor's actually possessed, so I had him come over, and he did this thing where he levitates onto the stove top, and then it comes in handy when I'm trying to replace light bulbs or get reach high things. <laughs> <laughs> really good to have a neighbor like that. Can you just levitate up there and be a... <laughs> yeah, do your whole devil thing really quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry about that vomit. I'll clean that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No no worries about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this movie starts introducing us to the film crew, which consists of Mia, who I believe is a PhD student, and she is with her audio and video team of Gavin and Lewis. They are studying an elderly woman named Deborah Logan and her daughter, Sarah, who in exchange for grant funds have agreed to be interviewed and filmed by Mia and her crew. Uh, we meet Deborah, who is a pretty buttoned up elderly woman, very proper. Um, she used to be, her background is she used to be a switchboard phone operator back in the, uh, uh, I guess, 70s, 80s, maybe when that was a thing. Um, and her daughter, Sarah, we can sense, um, is pretty stressed, both like on the financial burden as well as being a caregiver for her mother. And has put like a lot of her life uh, to the side while she's like focusing on supporting her mother. Uh, the filming gets underway. We get this kind of emotional montage where uh, Mia gives us kind of like an overview of Alzheimer's, how it impacts people, and her focus, which is looking at how it impacts those who are caring for people. Um, what did you think of the character set up here? You know, I found it to be like I like the premise. I found it to be kind of unnatural. It, it feels so common in found footage, like a, a specific type of performance. 
uh, it's I saw it specifically with Anne Ramsey, who's playing the daughter, Sarah Logan. It's like this weird, oh, I'm uneasy that the cameras are here, but kind of being kind of performative at the same time. Mm. And this is awkward, but it'll be fine, right? And it's just like such, it's like everybody in every found footage movie gives that exact moment of the performance, and it just feels yeah. awkward and takes me out of the movie. Um, and I also did not like uh, Gavin being like the typical obnoxious crew guy. That feels like another big time trope of the genre where it's just like when he's he touching sucks. everything and they're like, oh, don't, don't do that. And he's like just kind of disrespectful. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it makes me think the people who reviewed this negatively got off to the same start that I did, that this is drowning in the found footage tropes and and they're tired of it yeah yeah uh yeah interesting uh comment about uh sarah and like her acting because yeah i agree like we we get that similar awkwardness and uh trying to put on a face for the camera i always just thought like that is like the natural human reaction to like a filming crew coming to your house and uh how like a person would first like naturally respond before like getting comfortable with the crew or like being on uh tv uh you, you don't think that's a little bit of what we're seeing here a little bit, but it's like the exact same performance given in so many movies. It's just, yeah, it's so like fine tuned that it's like, okay, not everybody would act the exact same way. Everyone's sure. awkward looks a little different. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, what I do think is different in the beginning of this one versus others is um, the setup of Deborah and her mother, like we kind of get a strong sense of like that dynamic where she's like warning the crew, like, Oh, make sure you're on your best behavior. Say please. And thank you. Be very over the top. Uh, like, so you can already tell, like there's this kind of like fear in Sarah's, uh, mind in terms of like how her mother perceives her or others. Um, and then, uh, we do get that shot of her kind of crying to her mother about like how hard things have been. So I, I feel like unlike other, uh, found footage, we're kind of, given a heavy relationship uh, right at the beginning. Did any of that hit you or, or surprise you? I do agree with that. I think that is uncommon. We get a lot of character characterization. They're very fleshed out right from the beginning. You understand who these people are and what they're going through immediately, pretty much. Right. So I think that's a strength. So yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. You do have some very familiar territory here. And yeah, that, that camera guy sucks. Um, so, uh, oh, I also thought the introduction of Alzheimer's and the way Mia describes it in terms of like how it sucks away, like, or, like yeah, what the impact it has on someone's personality and memories. Uh, it kind of, I thought it like it did a great job of kind of setting the stage for the parallels between Alzheimer's and, uh, things like zombies or, uh, possessions that, uh, are common in horror films. Like I, I thought that was a really touching segment. What, what did you think? I agree, actually, and I, I like that about this movie. I like that it brings Alzheimer's into it. I like that premise. Yeah. And uh, as schlocky and tropey as it can be, I think there are some sincere, touching moments involving the disease. Right, right, yeah. Uh, great. Well, then, uh, Deborah starts doing some weird stuff while this film crews around, which uh, makes for fun viewing. There is uh, a room that she goes into that has a window, and she stands in front of it, and stares out into the darkness, and at at one point they even nail it shut. But uh, one time when a one of the cameramen's in there, it opens violently, and Deborah also has this ability, kind of just like pop out of 
random places and use weird voices. Uh, one time they're observing her on camera teleporting onto the top of the kitchen counter, um, and they can't figure out how she's doing that. Um, at another point, she claws the skin off of her neck, and she is taken to the hospital where they find that she's got some kind of rash spreading down her back and that uh, the Alzheimer's is spreading pretty aggressively. Uh, another night, they find her in, in the attic naked at her switchboard trying to dial this number and speaking in French about serpents and rivers. So all of this spooks uh, Sarah and the crew and uh, Gavin, the asshole that Brian doesn't like, uh, he takes off. Uh, what do you think of all, all these scares? I thought the scares were, they were not necessarily wholly original or anything, but I thought they were pretty effective. And her, like, appearing onto the stove, like, jumping onto the stove or teleporting onto the stove or whatever, to describe it, it sounds so generic, but it actually was pretty freaky in the movie, in my opinion. They yeah. they show, you know, there's a time stamp in the top left corner, and they're like, the time didn't change. She just, like, suddenly is on the <laughs> stove now. Yeah. And it's such an easy thing to do as a filmmaker, I would imagine. But right. I thought it worked. There's something about the direction of these scenes and the performance. Like, Joe Larson really kills it as Deborah Logan. Like, yeah. she's very good when she's, uh, I, I want to say normal, but that seems offensive. But when she has her wits about her, she's very good. She's It's a good performance that way. And mm-hmm. when she's forgetful and Alzheimer-y, that's a great performance. And when she's terrifying, that's a great performance too. It seems like yeah. it had to have been a challenge to nail all three right. versions of Deborah Logan. And she does a great job. I agree. Yeah, I feel like her commitment to this performance carries a lot of the film. And yeah, uh, everything you said about like uh, her uh, nailing each of those roles. And I feel like within each of those roles, uh, she plays like even when she's like, you know, has it all together. Uh, there's still like something scary about her. Maybe it's because like you've seen like her do something scary before or something, but it like lingers with her uh, no matter like what role she's in. And I feel like the, her appearance also, the way it like starts to degrade or deteriorate as we get into this film uh, are, are pretty scary. And you get like some great like haunting shots of her like at the piano or like standing in the yard like facing away. Like I think they do a really good job of making her a lot scarier uh, with, with some of the camera work too. Yeah, even her usual self, like you said, she's very buttoned up. So I think she's kind of intimidating as like this stern, older, matronly, southern gentlewoman. (laughs) Like you you don't 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 really want to piss her off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and yeah, I I agree about that scene. Like you're right. It's like such an easy thing to do, but it works. It actually reminds me of like the paranormal activity scene where uh, she walks into the bedroom at night and just like stands there in one spot. And then the time like moves and like she's like standing there. So it's like, again, like something very simple and easy to do. Not like any uh, crazy effects going on, but it's like disturbing to see, right? Right. Yeah. When it works, it works. Again, performances too. Anne Ramsey, who I, you know, chided a bit for having that very tropey, awkward hello at the beginning. She's gotten a lot better. And her performance, especially when she does the drama, is really good. Like... There are some touching dramatic moments of like, oh my gosh, my mom is like out of control and I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. So that part's very believable. Yeah, it en- it enhances the scares too to to give the story some heart. 
It does. I, I think what's also giving it a heart is, speaking of Sarah, I feel like they build out her character even more. Like, she talks about her childhood, and I think, you know, she fell in love with another girl, and her mom, like, kind of uh, has held that against her. And, um, like, uh, I think that's a point of friction between them. Um, and so I, I feel like that that's adding to, like, our bond with Sarah through, through the film. It's like we're getting more of her. For sure. Yeah. yeah, and there's some tension, typical mother-daughter tension up front, like, oh, why don't you put on something nice? Or, oh, like, yeah. oh, you're wearing that again. And then when you learn that Sarah is gay later in the film, or maybe, like, at the end of the first act or somewhere in the second act, it kind of adds a whole new layer Right. To that mother-daughter tension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That backhanded mother commentary. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's nice to add some. They've already fleshed that out, but then to add that additional layer of depth is nice. You don't get it in every found footage movie. I know. I I think that part is so rare. Um, Speaking of things we don't get in other found footage films, uh, I think the other thing that's really interesting about this one compared to other ones is usually, as you mentioned earlier, like your camera crew are the main characters. Um, this one, like so far, it feels very strongly on Deborah and Sarah and their relationship. Uh, we're not getting too much of Mia, Luis, uh, or the other guy, uh, Gavin. Uh, what do you, what do you think of that? Like, uh, are you upset about it? No, you know, I think it's balanced and I do say they become characters. They're still not the main characters, but yeah. they become embroiled in something bigger than, than what they intended to enough that I think it's safe to call them characters now in this story because they're really helping Sarah too. Like she has come to rely on them. She doesn't want to leave. Like there's no one else she can really talk to about this. Um, I like that they're involved in the story and it's true. I mean, Louise is probably the least involved as the cameraman. That's kind of the way every found footage goes. Mm -hmm. But I'd say Gavin as like the sound guy is more involved in the story than some other found footage crew members can be yeah he's finding a lot of like the weird stuff happening and bringing it to people's attention and freaking out a little bit more than everyone else right so exactly yeah you're right um but i i don't know like i feel like this is the first time uh i'm seeing a found footage where uh the focus isn't on the people who are you know behind or like the main the main uh film crew uh is, is that something we've seen in another film to this extent hmm yeah so you're saying most found footage are about the people who are taking the footage. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that we see that very often. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in I... the sacrament, the leader is very much a character. Um, right, yeah, that's a good example. But yeah. he's, you know, the the people behind the camera are still very much the the main characters there. Right. Right, um, yeah. And it's kind of like their experience and we're seeing it from their viewpoint. Yeah, um, creep. I mean, <laughs> the creep, the villain is very much the main character. Again, though, yeah. that's a similar thing. Like, he's still, the cameraman's still very much the victim and, and the character yeah. you're rooting for. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, here it almost feels like, uh, yeah, they are like, uh, I don't know if I ever felt like scared for the people behind the camera um, versus like the situation that's like folding out in front of them. Sure unfolding okay uh so um where are we oh okay so uh yeah after that uh crazy stuff um about the uh the switchboard and who she was trying to call and stuff me and Luis do some digging and they find that the number that deborah was trying to dial on her switchboard uh 
belongs to this guy named Henry Dehardin. Is that how you say it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Who many years ago had abducted, abducted a bunch of young girls in order to do some ritual to become immortal. Uh, he ended up going missing years ago, but his body was never uncovered. I guess that's implied when someone goes missing. Uh, they tell Sarah this, um, and so Sarah asks her mother, Deborah, if she knew who Henry was. And Deborah says that he was uh, murdered. And then Deborah goes into the bathroom and pukes up a bunch of dirt. And then they admit her into the hospital. While she's at the hospital, Deborah's neighbor Harris visits, and Deborah begs him to kill her. He tries to, but. Um, a TV flies forward and uh, injures him. Harris tells Sarah when she comes to the hospital that he and Deborah had murdered Henry years ago when they thought he was going to come for Sarah when she was a child. And uh, they had buried his body in the backyard. So now Sarah and Mia believe that Deborah is possessed by the spirit of Henry. And they believe that he is preying on her weakened body to, and his goal is to complete the ritual, which involves kidnapping and killing five women, five young girls right correct yeah so th th this kind of th this plot point kind of comes out of nowhere uh it's it's like yeah there's the serial killer i guess or like someone like kind of a cult at play here and now it's like become a possession story what, what did you think of this development i think it is overall a strength to the plot because it could be just a basic okay now there's a woman who's possessed we gotta figure yeah. out how to get the demon out of her but now we find out she's trying to complete this ritual and she's got this dark secret where she murdered somebody in the past. I thought it was actually kind of a cool ace to have up the sleeve in terms of the plot. Yeah, I agree. It was a really cool extra layer to it. only turning. Uh, like I, I didn't see that coming. That was yeah. kind of comes it, out of nowhere. It reminds me very much of like a Conjuring type movie. It, the tropes in this movie, yes, it does have found footage tropes, but it has a lot of the tropes of a haunted house movie, like investigating what really went on and what needs to be made right, right. and who's keeping a secret. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I use the word trope a lot, and I don't necessarily mean it disparagingly. Like, you can interchange genre convention, too. So sure. uh, I'm not knocking the movie when I use the word trope, although sometimes I kind of am. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it feels very much like a conjuring-type plot point, and I, I dig it in this movie about someone being possessed because I think that's such a gimmick that you could just go nowhere else with the plot except right. hey she we think she has Alzheimer's but actually she's possessed right right there's a lot more to the plot than there really could have been in a lesser movie yeah yeah I, I think about like how far like Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch went with the uh, similar like they had like stories behind the story of like things they were pursuing pursuing or yeah pursuing so like in paranormal activity like they know like he like does some reading and finds out which demon it is but here you have like this whole story that took place like decades ago uh so it, it does seem a little bit more built out you've got like a cult conspiracy behind it potentially uh so yeah yeah you're right it, it does feel a little bit more heavier than like what we've seen in other films and usually i feel like found footage can be very surface level and, and in this one we're getting some more complicated plot points Right. Although now that I say that, oh, this is more, that's more of a haunted house trope than a found footage trope, so many found footage movies kind of overlap with the haunted house genre. So, yeah, that kind of happens in Paranormal Activity, too. I think as of above, so below has stuff like that as well. Oh, so, they do. 
So yeah, yeah maybe it's more common in, in found footage than I'm leading on, but mm. I still think you could have gone much simpler with the plot, and I'm glad that there was some complexity here. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so to free her from this possession, Sarah, Mia, and Luis go to the house, and after some digging, they finally find this rotting corpse in the attic that is Henry's body. They try to burn it, but some supernatural force intervenes, and as they flee the house, they see a demon at the window. Meanwhile, Deborah, who is now possessed by Henry, kidnaps a young girl from the hospital, uh, a young cancer patient, and escapes the hospital after killing some local police. She takes the young girl into this underground cave where Henry used to abduct these young girls. Um, Sarah and Mia show up there, and they find Deborah with her mouth wide open and chowing down on this young girl. And uh, Sarah shoots Deborah, causing her to release the young girl. Um, they light Henry's corpse on fire, and it explodes, and it sets Deborah free. Uh, what would you think of this uh, climax here? You know, I actually thought the ending kind of fizzled out a little bit. Like, I don't know what it is. It may be that you just can't see much and you're in this dark tunnel with just a handful of people, two of whom aren't really even like characters at this point. It's basically the demon and a child and then... Mia and Sarah? Mia, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mia and Sarah. So... I don't know. It just like lacks the tension. When I f first saw it, there's that moment of like, oh my gosh, she's unhinged her jaw. She's become like a snake. Yeah. And so that's a moment of shock. But when you know that's coming, the conclusion is just kind of like boring. Like yeah. they stumble upon her, things scramble around, it's dark, they don't know what they're doing. They finally set the corpse on fire, which they had tried to a couple times before and couldn't, and that sets her free. Right. I don't know if I have the answers on how to fix that, but it just felt a little underwhelming to me. But what did you think? Uh, so I, I totally forgot about that uh, jaw on The snake and thing? The, the yeah. snake thing, yeah. I, so I think the, you're right, though. I think that. that's the big thing with the conclusion. That's the, like, wow factor. And if you yeah. if that wow factor is gone, then there's not much else left. If it's known, yeah. That's true. I do think there is some, like, fun suspense building up until, like, when they get into that... Uh, view like how she takes down the police officer by like spitting venom in his face um or like the way like they approach her in the woods and at first like she isn't moving at all and then suddenly she attacks them uh like i, I thought that like that, that was a nice trick to pull and kind of like a jump scare where like you don't know what's happening and you're just kind of like dreading like what she's gonna do um because like i think we had a similar scene earlier where she just kind of like they sedated her and took her in um but this time she attacks so there's uh some surprise there um, but yeah, I guess on rewatch, you're right. Like that is like the big punch in the face. And outside of that, yeah, there's not much else scares happening in the basement. It's, or in that cave. It is mostly the crazy visual. I hear what you're saying though, that like everything surrounding that and the third act itself, I don't have a problem with. It's just like that final moment of the confrontation is just leaves a little something to be desired. Yeah. I mean, could you say the same thing with, uh, you know, like another found footage that has like a pretty uh, memorable ending is like Blair Witch, right? Uh, like we all know how that ends and like what we see. So, uh, but still like it's pretty understated, I guess. And it's not like this crazy graphic that we see. So do you, do you feel like something like that is better where it's like less reliant on like one visual scare and more like a general tone? 
Yeah, that has so much additional weight and tone and vibe to it than this. Like, it's a very good comparison, but also, like, you can't even compare. Just because, like, the the escalation up until that point, too, it's just, like, everything is perfectly ramped up to this moment. And then just, like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, a more artfully done crescendo and... It's like musical almost, like the pacing of that ending. But this one, I just feel like it's kind of fumbled. I I can't... More like shock value? A little bit. Like that one has real emotional and uh, scare factor shock value. This one's just more like a, whoa. (laughs) I don't know. It's just a shallower shock, in my opinion. Yeah. It has less impact. Yeah, yeah, I, I think one of the things that like makes Blair Witch's ending a lot more interesting is uh, you're hearing like one person just like screaming in the background, like on repeat, right. and like the person behind the camera is just like struggling to like find something. And yeah, they, there's a big buildup here I, again. Like I don't know how scared I ever was for Sarah or Mia. Like uh, yeah, there was this young girl whose life was at risk. And uh, Deborah's chomping down on her, um, but yeah, I, I feel like maybe the threat of uh, of danger to the the, the main uh, people is missing a little bit, maybe compared to some of those other films. Yeah, for sure. There's something about this movie where you kind of feel like things are going to be okay in the end. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the the danger is never quite as acute as it can be in other found footage movies. Yeah, the stakes just don't feel as high for whatever reason. Sure, um, sure. I don't really know why, though. I mean, we see the sheriff die, so we know people can can be offed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think that, like you said, the sound design in Blair Witch Project, really, and just the pacing in general and the freneticness of the camera, even though some people see that movie as all one big shaky cam, I do think that it gets more frantic as we get closer and... Yeah, I think just the surrounding direction around this final moment just wasn't quite as well done. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, So then, uh, speaking of uh, it maybe not being uh, as dangerous for everyone, the movie then jumps forward and we learn that Deborah and the child made it out of the cave okay uh, after they lit the corpse on fire. Deborah, I think, was charged for kidnapping, but she was uh, getting pretty ill i think and so she wasn't fit enough to stand trial so i i'm not sure if she ends up going to jail or not probably not uh we see the young girl the movie ends on the young girl who's made this miraculous recovery from uh cancer and she's turning 10 and uh our closing shot is of her giving the camera a pretty sinister look indicating that she's likely possessed now by henry is that your understanding that is my understanding as well. She also, they like asked her what her birthday wish was and she was like, it's a secret. <laughs> Did this land for you? Not really. That that part I could have done with or without. Uh, yeah, I, I feel similar. I also wonder if I'm Henry uh, and before I used to have this ability to like possess people and do whatever I wanted, but now I'm trapped in the body of a 10-year-old girl. Like, is that really a, a win for me? Or, like, I, I, I don't understand, like, uh, how, how this works out for him. Like, are you implying that 10-year-old girls are weak? 
I'm, I'm just saying, like, what would you rather be, like, this uh, spirit that can go around and just, like, possess people and, and do crazy shit or, like, be trapped in the body of a 10-year-old girl, I guess? Well, I mean, he was trapped in the body of a 70-year-old woman, right? Yeah. I think you can do about the same sort of stuff with either one. I guess. I guess I, I assume he had more flexibility in terms of he could maybe jump out of her body and jump into someone else's body if he wanted to. Um, I guess like yeah, wh- why tie yourself? Why tie your hands and like jump in the body of a kid? Yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> know, like gonna... you can't even drink now, right? <laughs> I didn't even know too. Like, was it a demon that possessed him and made him do the ritual? And that same demon is now in Deborah Logan and now oh. in Kara, this little girl, or is it his spirit specifically? I that's, that's I don't question. know if the movie ever spelled that out for us, but. Yeah, I don't think it needs point. to. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt a little bit like uh, that the movie was a little pandering at the end with uh, that that ending. Sure, right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. What did you think uh, on this on this rewatch? What, what worked here? What didn't work for you? Uh, I, you know, I feel like I complimented it quite a bit. I like the plot. I like the acting and the character depth. Those are some strengths. But one thing I liked less this time was also the plot. (laughs) It's only an hour and a half, but the movie feels a little bit long because there's just like too many of the same thing happening over and over again or similar things. Like, I don't really mind that this is repetitive of other haunted house movies or found footage movies, but what I do mind is that it becomes repetitive of itself. It like repeats itself. The same thing happened twice at least a couple times in the movie, like she steals a kid twice. She attacks (laughs) other people multiple times. She peels at her skin twice. Like these moments, they start to lose their weight once you've already seen them once or twice and they're still shot like it's a big deal. Like, oh, she's peeling at her skin. Like we know she does that. It, It also gets a little frustrating and I'm one who's usually pretty quick to suspend my disbelief she would have been in a home if she was like holding gavin at knife point and like so many of the things she did she would no longer have been able to be at home be at home yeah um I'm i not mean sure you could I'm... say they would would have decided otherwise but it's pretty hard to believe that everyone hung in that situation longer than seemed realistic yeah, I, I hear you on the film crew. I feel like they stuck around much longer than they should have given how dangerous things were becoming in the house. But in terms of Deborah still being at home, I feel like Sarah was kind of battling with that the whole time where uh, she was getting a lot of pressure to like, yeah, don't put your mom in like a place with like a bunch of fluorescent lights or like a home. Like it was kind of like looked down upon. So yeah, I feel like I could sense Sarah's struggle to like kind of keep things afloat as much as she could. Um so yeah, I I feel like that was more more on her and, and like speaking to their that 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 friction and struggle. Sure, I I still don't buy it, but that's really not my chief complaint here. Basically, the yep. chief complaint is that the the plot gets repetitive and the scares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they tackle the same thing multiple times and it starts. Yeah. to who cares after a while? Yeah, uh, you know I, I think what makes it tough is like she's in and out of the hospital like two or three times. I think. Uh, so, like, yeah, she does something crazy, she gets taken to the hospital, then she's back. Which, on one hand, is, like, pretty realistic, I assume, for, like, uh, an elderly person, like, yeah, struggling uh, on a health 
thing like yeah you're going to be in and out um you're going to be doing like similar things uh i i understand like what you're saying from the scare perspective it gets a little monotonous but uh is it also solidifying kind of like the mentality or like the atmosphere or the state of like where where things are if you see it happen uh repeatedly sure like it can underline the frustration and the struggle uh with if you're Sarah especially and they yeah. start off the documentary saying like this is going to be about how Alzheimer's affects the people around the patient and then they seem to drop that angle yeah and Sarah is a really good well-developed character but I think some of this time could have been spent even more showing like what it's doing to Sarah like we see yeah. Sarah struggling in the immediate moments of like oh my gosh mom's doing this what do we do Right. But like we don't necessarily see the wear and tear and degradation of Sarah, of her mentality and how it wears on her. So yeah. really it's just kind of wearing on us. It's like, okay, she's in the hospital again. She's out. She's back in the hospital again. Oh, yeah. she did the same thing again. Right. It almost feels like it wears on the viewer more than it wears on Sarah. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there, there, there were a few times, even like writing down the plot, I'm like, uh, yeah, it felt like we went in a few circles sometimes. Yeah, uh, like you skipped so- a bunch of stuff, but I mean, it, as I was thinking like, oh, we're here at this point already, but it all, yeah. is all kind of, you know. Similar. It's, case, yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it is. Because, yeah, the, the fake, or like, yeah, their the first attempt to kidnap the girl, they find her and catch her. And uh, they they take her back. Um, yeah, I wonder the, the movie might have been stronger if she only kidnaps the girl once, and it's that ending one. Like, did we need that one in the middle, or yeah, maybe they were just dragging it out a bit to milk right. the scares. Like, why did we need it to happen twice? I, I think right. you either could have made the movie shorter or give us some more time with Sarah. Yeah, right, right, and yeah, I, I agree that that is one of the weaknesses. I, I feel like it, it it drops the ball on Sarah. Like, it kind of sets her up as someone they're studying in the beginning and we get some like good uh background on her or like her experience growing up or her relationship with her mother but yeah by the second half of the film that kind of falls away doesn't it yeah right it just becomes more like where's mom what, or what's she doing now like yeah right but what about the desperation that we see in sarah later in the second half like to find the body and like her commitment to like save her mom at like any cost do you think that uh, is speaking to her character or like rounding out the story on on her character yeah i I have no complaints with her arc um that's not true but like on the whole i'm cool (laughs) with her arc but i'm just saying like if you're looking for ways to spend time in the movie maybe cut out some of those back and forth in and out of the hospital and replace it with a little more sarah or like an interview on like how you holding up yeah, um, right. Otherwise, I, I like her arc, and I do feel like she's pretty fleshed out. But if you're saying at the top of the movie, this is a study about how it affects the people around the patient, right? and you're kind of fucking around with extra time, it almost feels like, with just these back-and-forth plot points, then yeah. why not come back to where you started with Sarah? I agree. I agree. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, great. Uh, what, what about like, uh, the red herring that they try to point with Harris? What, did that ever sway you to like, think maybe he was in on it or he was like the reason things were Ye- going? Yeah. I couldn't quite remember how the plot all shook out. So I think that was good to include Harris. Um, yeah. unrealistic that he would be allowed to go visit her at the hospital probably after he shot up every, <laughs> the people's <laughs> the car. Stuff, yeah. yeah. I feel like there'd be a restraining order happening at that point. Right. Right. Um, 
But I do think he was a good addition, a good red herring, and just adds that complexity to the plot. I like that she kind of like kept the town secrets too, so you know that's going somewhere. As a switchboard operator, they allude to that. Yeah, and I. In, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I thought that was such a cool setup. The, the her being a switchboard operator, like yeah, that was such that a was cool fun. way. And how they tied that to like how your brain works with Alzheimer's and stuff. Like a, that was yeah. a really cool kind of like background context. Yeah, the pairing of the possession with Alzheimer's in general is a good idea. I don't think they dropped the ball on that. I think they executed that nicely. And I actually think, and some people might scoff at this, that it like does that better than Relic. Like Relic was so ultra serious and yeah. people might scoff because like, oh, that's a serious depiction and this is just kind of like a possession movie. But I think there are some very realistic moments and you could say it's kind of exploiting the illness, but I think that's horror's job is to kind of like play with real world stuff in in a less serious way so that you can examine it seriously, right. if that makes any sense. But I think so, yeah. Right. Relic just kind of... Too, too in it, yeah. It was so deep in it that it was like, well, what's the plot even here? I don't <laughs> The house is moldy? It just felt so forced. But here you yeah. actually see like all right, like she's dangerous sometimes and nobody knows which Deborah they're going to get at any given moment. And I imagine that's how people feel about loved ones with Alzheimer's. Like, which version am I going to get? Right. Am I even safe? Are they going to get angry? And it's, I think it's scary too, just to like look at somebody and be like, I don't understand at all where they are or what they're thinking and it's impossible for me Yep. to do that it's scary to to not know where someone's coming from right exactly yeah and from, from like minute to minute it could change right yeah yeah it's unsettling yep yep yeah I, I like that part a lot too do you think and then I know we just talked about this in, in the Rosemary uh, Rosemary's Baby there could have do you think they played up like that psychological element enough or was it pretty clear uh, early on that this is like a possession like uh, do you feel like they would have it would have benefited from going further on, like, is this a possession or is this just Alzheimer's? I think that might have made the movie a little too uh, bloated. But mm. I do think there are enough moments of her just kind of, like, looking confused towards the beginning where it was like, okay, we're seeing, like, just Alzheimer moments here. Right, um, right. But I think the movie kind of had to, in a sense, get down to business. Its goal wasn't really to make you wonder what was the truth. Its goal was... Yeah. We've got this plot that we've got to yep. fold out, as one might say. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a chair. He folded out. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, we talked about the main character. And yeah, it felt like Sarah and Deborah were mostly the main characters here. Yeah, for Not sure. Not necessarily the film crew. Okay. Uh, what do you think? I, I know you mentioned like the ending being a little bit anticlimactic for you potentially. So I, I think in this film, like only one person died. Is that right? Was it just the sheriff? Oh, Harris so. died, right? Uh, Did the TV kill him? No, because then uh, remember she comes to the hospital and he tells her while he's like being operated on that. Oh, uh, right, right. So yeah, okay. I think the so last he's time not we seen dead. Him still yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I wonder if that uh, like, did, do you think that played into like this not being as uh, scary or like as climatic for you? Maybe it did feel like the stakes weren't quite super high for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think any, anything... Does Louise any, die? 
No, I don't think so. He goes back with the, he takes a sheriff back. Oh, right, right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, very, very low uh, death count here, um, which yeah, I think hits to your point. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to call out? Uh, I would just, again, reiterate that it's a really great performance from Jill Larson, who plays Deborah Logan. I think. I agree. Yeah. Th- for all the other strengths of the movie that we were talking about, that is the strength that really lifts the movie to the top of the found footage pack. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I would say her and, and Sarah, but I, I know like you were kind of like not on board with Sarah in the beginning. Yeah, I, I wasn't, but I do agree. I, I think that Anne Ramsey gives a really good performance as Sarah, too. I just don't think it's as crucial to, to this movie's success as sure. as Joe Larson's performance. Yep. I think there are two great performances, two great characters. I appreciate the, what they did to set up the dynamic and make that feel realistic. Um, the, the human element of like their relationship. Um, but yeah, that, that performance is what makes the movie scary it's the source of the unease yeah i agree i agree all right well cool you ready to jump to the rating then let's do it all right well zero to five elderly naked switchboard operators what would you give this i give it 3.5 out of five elderly naked switchboard operators i gave it a four last time uh and yeah just the repetitiveness of the plot as we get in the thick of the second act is it just gets a little boring uh after a while so that hinders me from giving it a four. Yep, got it. How, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I was between a three and a half and four, but I, I landed at a four. Elderly naked switchboard operators. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think uh, this is really effective in terms of being a, a slow building, creepy uh, film. Uh, and yeah, there is like a lot, of, a lot of repetition, as you mentioned. But I think that performance is so strong at the center of the film, and then this horrific ending, which uh, for me, like I didn't completely remember so it, it still kind of had that punch that uh kind of like wowed me like oh my god like well, where did that come from uh so it it, it delivered uh and like kind of capped off like a film that i thought beautifully showed a, a mom and daughter uh relationship as uh, the mother's aging and suddenly gets possessed as that tends to happen right so uh yeah i think it's a standout in the found footage genre uh for, for, because of the performances and uh a climactic ending i agree Great performance from Joe Larson. Some well-executed scares. Set it apart as one of the better films from that found footage boom of the awesome 2010s. Yeah. Yep. However, I think I had this at like number six on my top 10 found footage list when we did uh, that episode with David yep. from Horror Movie Talk. Right. Upon rewatch, I think I'd bump it back down to like 10 on the list. Oh, wow. You'd send it back, huh? I'd send it back down. I still really like the movie, but it's a 3.5, not a 4. Got it, got it. And okay. would you like to know what you rated it last time? Yeah, sure. You gave it a 4.5. Whoa, so we both are down a half point? We're both down a half point. So okay. this came from an average 4.25 to an average of 3.75. Damn, oh my God. All right. What we'll do you see. think the reviewers had, the users had such a problem with to give this a yeah. 50% on Rotten Tomatoes? Is it just the repetitiveness and Could maybe some people saying. who saw it during that boom or they're just like, I'm over this? Yeah, uh, yeah, that could be it. Like, what, what were you describing about the pacing, or the re- repetition, uh, or like, yeah, just how how few people died, um, or yeah, maybe not feeling scared enough for like the camera crew or whatever. Right. What, what the, do you think? Yeah, I would say maybe just people feeling a little troped out and not connecting to the characters as much as we did. Mm, yeah. But man, this was a time when 
maybe other people were following movies differently. I feel like now there's so many ways to keep track of movies and to make your watch lists and to know what's coming out and know what you're watching. But this very much felt like a period where you're just like, huh, what's this? I'll check it out. Like, yeah. you're just clicking on stuff on Netflix. And I know a lot of people still operate that way. And some of us, depending on our mood, do that. But this was a weird time and that it's easy to go back and just characterize it as, oh, yeah, everything was found footage. Uh, but it was interesting because you didn't, at least I didn't always know, like, okay, this is a found footage movie. It, yeah. it was more just like, I'm clicking on this one because it looks good or Netflix said I'd like it. Yeah. So it was a bit more, there was a bit more wonder to it than there is 10 years later to sit back and say, these are all the movies that fit that bucket and mm. they all did this. Uh, I, I yeah. didn't feel as burned out on it back then as I might looking back on it now. Yeah, I, th- I think it has a reputation of kind of being in this underdog because it didn't have a theater- theatrical release. It was just kind of a streaming thing, and it's got like a cover that is like pretty haunting. It's, it's just, uh, it's just Deborah looking kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, and so I, th- I think yeah, people just found this and were just like really surprised by it. Uh, and and I think that's how I heard about it is someone just like randomly watching is like, holy shit, have you heard about this movie? So uh, you think if if it came out today and it was like more well known what it was. Or like what the premise is that it, it would be less reviewed or well, yeah looked at. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad to say, I still think this is a good movie. So I would hope it would turn out differently. But I think if that came, this came out this year, it would just be like a footnote at the end of the yeah. year rather than something right. people put at the top of their list. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I don't know though. I would hope not. Nah, but it's also like how much the bar has changed on found footage, uh, but. Yeah, I guess at that point you had so many, and now I think people are maybe more tired of the genre, and like you got to do something really interesting or really different to like kind of stand out. Yeah. Oh, the medium—that was a found footage movie from recently that was just straight up found footage. I guess maybe oh. that was a little bit faux documentary as well. Um, hmm. That was like 2019. I think it was a Thai movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw that one. I loved I it. I put so. it on my top five last or 2021, I think. Really? The medium? Okay. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, we'll see how this holds up in the next 10 years then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see right. where we are. <laughs> uh, any, anything else to call out on this one? No, that's all I got. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the taking of Deborah Logan. If you enjoyed our discussion, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where you can find us and other fans of the genre. The link to that is on our website. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can find her on Etsy.com as well as some merchandise for our show. If you want to support our show, you can find uh, us on Patreon. Um, The link for that is also on our website. And until next time, if you're looking to do a ritual which involves getting five people abducted, uh, try to have all five lined up so that you can do it without uh, having much issue or having to change the plan. It's, It's good to do your homework ahead of time, I guess. 
and just have a list. That's true. Why does it have to be so drawn out and wait all this time between victims? Just yeah. get it all done at once. Yeah, That's called yeah. batching in the four-hour work week. <laughs> batching? That's a technical term for the four-hour work week. Dude, yeah. That's one of his methods is to batch your tasks. Nice, nice. Yeah, it works. It works for the four-hour work week. Use it for your cult stuff. <laughs> 